Good morning, FBC. My name is James Bigler, and I am so grateful that you have chosen to worship with us today. Whether you are online or here in person, we are thankful you joined us. If this is your first time worshiping with us, please let us know by filling out our guest information card. These can be found on the front page of our website or by going to the welcome desk in the lobby outside the sanctuary. If you are here in person, there is also a free gift at the welcome desk that includes more information about our church. Before we go any further in the service, I'm going to share some announcements about what is going on in the life of the church. My first announcement is about VBS, which is June 15th through the 19th. VBS is literally right around the corner, and we are praying that there will be a bunch of kids gathering at our church for a fun-filled week of learning about Jesus. Make sure and sign your kids up and invite other families, too. Also, if you can, we would love for you to volunteer. There's still time to sign up. Go to fbccopeville.org forward slash children to register your kids or sign up to help. To kick off VBS this year, we will be having an ice cream social next Sunday night, June 14th at 6 p.m. During this time, we will enjoy lazy cow ice cream, put up some last-minute decorations, and spend time praying over VBS and all the Lord will do that week. VBS is an integral part of the outreach to our church. We all have a part to play, whether you are a volunteer or are simply someone who is praying each day for kids hearing the gospel. We can all serve in some way. My second announcement is about deacon nominations. The deacon nominating committee is seeking your nominations for biblically qualified men to serve in the role of deacon. To fill out your nominations, you can get a paper nominating form at the welcome desk or fill it out on our website. My third announcement is about our summer camp. This year, our church has decided to put on our own summer camp for 5th through 12th grade. This is going to be an awesome week of building deep friendships, having a ton of fun, and growing closer to God. The camp will be held at Camp Linden in West Tennessee from July 13th through the 17th. The cost is $275, and it is not too late to sign up. Make sure and contact Zach Langley if you would like to sign your student up. Once again, I am so thankful you have chose to worship with us today. Our vision at FBC is that everyone would desire God, disciple others, and devote themselves to serve. This service is just a part in that vision, and we pray that this service would bless you and encourage you as you walk with the Lord. Thanks. Well, good morning, church. We're glad you're here with us. Would you go ahead and stand? We're going to, um, our first song this morning is going to be a, an old hymn, by Mighty Fortress is Our God, but there's a chorus that's been added to it uh, that I want to teach you guys here before we start. So um, let us teach it for you, and then we'll sing the hymn and add it in there with us. It's like this. A mighty fortress, a rock
our rock of ages that will hold us up in times we deal with fears and times of chaos in uh, times that I think we are in right now with all the stuff going around the world in this country. Let's continue on this morning as we worship uh, the great Lord. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. Great
morning as, as your children. Like I said last week, we're not your grandchildren or anything. We are your children. You've grafted us into your family. And God, we are yours. You knew us before we were even formed. God, you had a plan for us. God, and that plan would take many different turns. Sometimes it would be good. Sometimes it would be bad. And sometimes we would be in the midst of chaos. Lord, I think that's one of those times. God, with with the, the fears of the coronavirus around, the, the, uh, the racial distress right now, or the unrest right now, um, Lord, it just seems like there's another thing that, that comes into the news cycle that, that could make us fearful. But God, we know that you are a great God and you have a plan for us. And I thank you that we can gather together in freedom and praise you and worship you. And Lord, I thank you for, for the rock that you are, Lord, that we can have a hope in you that lasts for all eternity. So God, as we continue on in worship, may we be reminded of that hope and from where that hope came, from the actions that took place to give us that hope in the death of Christ on the cross. And Lord, may we sing and rejoice over it this morning as we celebrate you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's keep singing.
continue your prayer. Father, we thank you so much that we can stand in your power, Lord. That's the only power we can stand in. Our own power will fail us, uh, Lord. But when we know you and we face life with you, God, we can, we, can, we can face it with a confidence knowing that you have got us in the palm of your hand, Lord. You don't keep us from bad things, but you walk with us through them, Lord. We find peace in you, and that's the only place we will ever find peace. So, God, may our hearts be quickened to you to always pursue you, to always live in your peace in the palm of your hand. So, God, as we, as we continue on the service, as Scott comes to preach, speak to our hearts, Lord. Let us hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, church. What a powerful time of worship this morning. Amen? Those are those songs we sang uh, of our faith and, and just proclaiming Jesus as our Lord this morning. Uh, they, they just light my fire. I'm telling you, I, I, got, I got excited worshiping this morning, our King. What an amazing God we have and what an amazing privilege it is to come together and worship Him through song and through fellowship and through studying His Word. And then in responding to God, and there's, there's op- an opportunity for us this morning as we sit before the Lord to respond to God. And this morning, I want to talk with you about wisdom and how it connects to worship. 
And hopefully we can, we can make that connection in our mind this morning. Uh, we, we've read, as you're reading through the Bible with us, I hope that, that all of you here and, and who are watching by the internet or by TV this morning are still on the course of reading through the Bible with us this year. And we're reading it chronologically. If you're here or in, in viewing this and say, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that, it is, it is a great time to begin right now. We, we're reading through the Bible together and so much still to in, enjoy and discover together as we read God's Word. I just want to invite you to, to come alongside of us and read God's Word. This week, we read through Proverbs, and uh, we read Solomon's words, the, the wisest man that ever lived. And, and I want to relate the wisdom which God affords to us with the worship that God deserves from us. So if we can do that together this morning, I'd invite you to, to turn in your Bibles. I hope you already have. Maybe you haven't. Proverbs chapter 1 will be our text this morning. First seven verses uh, will be the text that we'll study mostly this morning. So um, Proverbs chapter 1, and I'd invite you to stand with me as I read that text with you this morning. Proverbs 1, verse 1, the Word of God says, The proverb of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, and to the youth knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. I want to focus in on verse 7 here. The key verse of the entire book of Proverbs says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Father, we thank you for this privilege to come together this morning. And we recognize, Lord, that it truly is a privilege to worship you. Thank you, God, for the place that you provided and the, the gathering that we have here today. Whether it be in a home or whether it be in this place this morning, we, we unite our hearts together and we come before you. We ask, God, that through the time of understanding this text and, and, and the Bible and what the Bible tells us about wisdom and what you offer us this morning, uh, that, Lord, if there needs to be conviction brought in our life, we're open to that. We desire that you would bring conviction to us. Bring us to the place of, of understanding and, and learning, and, and Lord, grow us. Father, I thank you for appointing the time. You have appointed this time for us, and I'm very grateful for that. I ask God that you would anoint me with the power that only comes from you to preach your word. God, in a way that will touch our lives, change us, transform us for your glory. Help us to be the men and women you've called us to be. And live in the wisdom that you've freely offered us. Not only knowing wisdom, but applying wisdom to our life so that we can accomplish being your people and giving praise back to you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. What a book we have in Proverbs, and it's such exciting it's, it's very exciting to read the book of Proverbs. I, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I spent periods of my life in walking with Christ over the last many years of taking the Proverbs, and there's 31 of them, so you can read a proverb a day. 
And um, you just walk through the book of Proverbs and read them over and over and over. Read one a day. It's just a good tool. And uh, this year, I'm reading through the Bible completely with you. And have done that many times. But chronologically, love reading the Bible. But I love taking two, just a, one proverb a day. And just thinking through that and dwelling on what that proverb's saying to me. And it's so fresh and, and so right now important. And they apply to our lives. And uh, I invite you to to do that if you're looking for a way to study God's Word. Maybe just take a proverb a day and, and read through it and, and just let the freshness of what it has to say apply to your life each and every day. Wisdom is something that we should all strive to gain. And it should be something that we desire in our life. And, and so we have to ask our question, wise, I want to be wise. I get that. You want to be wise. You, you want to have wisdom for the, the day and for the circumstances of life. But how does wisdom apply to the redemptive history of God's Word. We know that from Genesis to Revelation, we have the collection of God's Word as He leads us in an understanding from creation to recreation, His redemptive work. He is a loving God who loves you and loves everybody He's created. Greg read from Psalm 139 this morning, talking about how we were intricately designed. Before we knew God, God knew us, and He knows everything about us now. And he desires for us to live with a wisdom that will guide us through our lives. And God affords us the opportunity to have wisdom, to learn, to know, to have the knowledge, the understanding, how we can live our lives. And, and how it compares to redemptive history uh, it unfolds for us as we look back through the text and see from where we've come and, and kind of that from Genesis to right now in the text, and just kind of if we dove in even at, at Israel's captivity in Egypt, we see that God delivered e, uh, Israel from Egypt. He delivered them from bondage. They were in bondage to the Egyptians, and God delivered them from there. He, he gave them the direction in their life needed to guide them to the land that he had promised them. God gave them a land. He promised them a land. And, and when God makes a promise, God's good for his promise. Amen? He will deliver on his promises. So he says, I'm going to deliver you, guide you through to the promised land. So he did that. And he multiplied them. God told Abraham that he would multiply him and his numbers and the people that would be delivered to this promised land. And he did. He multiplied them. They grew in exceeding numbers. And they faced people that were out to destroy them. Quite honestly, there were people within the land that they didn't like the Israelites and they wanted to destroy them. But when God went before them, they were very successful in taking on their enemies. So God delivered them to a place. He protected them along the way. And he laid the foundation for them in relationship, walking with them day in and day out. See, he was the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. He was present with them. He put priests who could communicate to them. Moses communicated the word of God and the will of God to people. So he carried them to an understanding of right living and what right living was in their life. God wanted them to know how to live rightly, so he gave them the foundation which was a law. He said, uh, you're not going to know right from wrong unless there's an established line. So he gives them a moral code, a law that they can live by. At least they can look to to see where's right and where's wrong. Now, God knew that they wouldn't be able to live up to that law. He knew that they would fail. 
in his love for them, he said, I'm going to establish a sacrificial system. That began in Genesis chapter 3 when he took an animal and he slayed the first animal for the first sin and shed the blood. And it continued and culminated, as we sang this morning, on the cross at Calvary where Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God, became that sacrifice for our sin. And so we see that that through redemptive history, God has moved and he's given wisdom to the people to understand that he, is, he loves them, he's leading them, and he wants them to be different. I remember Exodus 19, 5 and 6, one of the pivotal verses in this redemptive work of God where he says, I want you to be a people for my own possession, a royal priesthood. Now, what does a priest do? A priest leads people. The purpose of the priest was to lead people to an understanding that there was a God that loved them and lead them to right living before that God. So here we have this, 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 this opportunity for them to walk with God and be different than everybody around them. Not because they were better than everybody around them, but different. Because in their difference, what would be seen is this. The rest of the world would look upon Israel and see that there was this difference they, they lived differently. They responded in circumstances and situations differently. And God blessed them. And God was their, that was their God, the Yahweh. And they knew God through the Israelite nation. And their gods, the world's gods, would not measure up in comparison to Yahweh. And those of the world would want to be in relationship with the God of Israel and have that that daily walk, that relationship with a foundation, with a clear understanding of how to live their lives. And the only thing that would lead them successfully down this journey would be for the people to have wisdom. Wisdom to understand right from wrong and how to apply God's word and God's will and God's way to their life. So God desired for them to have wisdom. It was something he wanted people to have. And they had the ability, if they had wisdom, to live their lives rightly before the Lord. You and I have the ability to live our lives rightly before the Lord with wisdom. We can, we can take the wisdom of God and apply it to our life. But Solomon was this guy who was leading, he was king, and he was going to lead the Israelite nation behind his father, David. And we see in Kings, 1 Kings chapter 4, we see where Solomon had, in first, actually 1 Kings chapter 3, he had asked for wisdom. Because God said, you can ask for anything. What do you want? He asked for wisdom. What a smart man. And God gave him wisdom. And then we see in chapter 4, verse 29, it says, Now God gave Solomon wisdom and and very great discernment and breadth of mind like the sand that is on the seashore. Verse 30 says, Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the sons of the east, and all the wisdom of Egypt. So in other words, Solomon was wiser than anyone around him. He was so wise, the scripture goes on to tell us that, that he wrote 3,000 proverbs and he wrote a hundred and, I mean, a thousand and five songs. So he, he was a wise guy. He, he was very well, in, in, as far as wisdom goes, he had it. He, he had a relationship with God. He had wisdom and given wisdom. And, and he had the opportunity to live rightly before God because he had wisdom. Now Solomon traded the wisdom that God had given him for a pathway where he, he sought out wealth and he worshipped false gods. 
And if we look at Solomon's life at the end, he, he started out well, but he didn't end well because he didn't live in wisdom as he had the opportunity. You know, David started out well, and he had a, had a situation in his life arise with Bathsheba, but then he, he turned back to God, and he sought God with all of his heart. So we see that Solomon will come back around to Solomon and some of his decisions. But I, I, there's, if, if Solomon's the wisest man on the world, in the earth at, at that time, and, and he's, his wisdom exceeds any wisdom of any other man or any other person in the world, you have to ask the question, how could Solomon go from being so wise to so foolish? Well, there are two different types of wisdom in this world. And Scripture reveals to us that there's wisdom that comes from God. We, we see that. Solomon prayed and asked for wisdom from God. He, he asked that God would give him wisdom. God gave him wisdom. And, and um, the, the author here, as Solomon is, the, is writing this, he's saying there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of words that can describe this wisdom. If you look at verse 2, it says to know wisdom and instruction. So, Instruction is synonymous with wisdom there, to discern the sayings of understandings. Another, another word there that's used that's synonymous there. And he, he goes on to say, you know, uh, prudence, and he uses knowledge, discretion, learning, and counsel. And these words are synonymous with the word wisdom. And Solomon's saying the, these things are afforded to us in a relationship with God. God gives wisdom to equip his people. He desires for us to be equipped. I've said it. I'll say it several times today. He's, he really desires for you to be equipped with wisdom to know how to live your life rightly before the Lord. He wants you to be wise. He wants you to make wise decisions. How many of you ever made a decision and said, boy, that wasn't very wise? We've all done this, right? We, we've made some, oh, some bonehead decisions, okay? You have. You, you mean to talk about a couple of yours? You may talk about a couple of mine, but we've all made bad decisions that we, when we look back on it, said that was not, that was not my wisest move ever. And, and we were, though we might've been in relationship with God at the time we made those unwise decisions, we were not fully applying the wisdom of God to our circumstance. So we have to apply the wisdom of God to our circumstance and make sure that we're not applying the earthly wisdom to our circumstance. So there's two forms of wisdom. I want to read from a passage in James, James chapter 3. It tells us in verse 13, says this, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, let him show by his good behavior his deeds in gentleness of wisdom. But if you are, or if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there's disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What a word for our day. 
But what James is revealing to us, and I've always said, others have said this too, but James, when you read the book of James, it's like reading the the newspaper for the day. I mean, it's so fresh. It's so real to what's going on in life. And James is saying there, he said, there's, there's two forms of wisdom. Let's not be confused, but let's be equipped in our understanding. There's a wisdom that comes from above, and then there's an earthly wisdom which can be confused. As we read through the book of Proverbs this week, we, we saw these words of wisdom from God. And, and I'm sure maybe you did, maybe you didn't. I've connected this week some of the wisdoms of the world with the wisdoms from the Word. And I just want to kind of relate those to you this morning because some of them were very clear, but our world would tell us something so so distinctly different from what the Word of God tells us. So let me just let me just lay a few out before you this morning. The Bible says in Proverbs, listen to your father and mother. They've got words of wisdom. Listen to them. What does the world tell you? I could ask my teenagers. They could tell you. My mom and dad are clueless. They're so disconnected from reality. They're old fuddy-duddies, and they don't even know what I'm dealing with. They've never lived in this world. Wrong. Wrong. I mean, some things may be minutely different. But you've got to realize humanity's been around a lot longer than you. I know when you're 15, 16, 17, 18, you get so wise. My mom and dad got dumber the older I got until a period of time when they got old. The older I got, the smarter they got. I realized they weren't as dumb as I thought they were. Does that make sense? Pay attention. The Bible says, listen to your father and mother. The world tells us they don't have a clue. The Bible would tell us that we give to God from our wealth. We, we give to the ministry of the gospel that we would invest what we have as resources. It's not ours, it's God's. We give to that. And the world would tell you, absolutely not. You better take care of yourself. Be sure that you've got plenty to pad your pocket. That's what the world would tell us. The Bible tells us that that we are to have a one, that it's to be one woman and one man for life. That's what the Bible would tell us. That there's a relationship value between a woman investing in a man and a man investing in a woman for life. Well, the world tells us, oh, no, no. Multiple relationships, sow your wild oats, go out and explore, have some fun. That's what the world tells us. But the Bible tells us, no, that's not right. You, you can only give your, we talked about this in Sunday school this morning, you can only give your heart away so often. You have nothing left to give. I mean, when you, you invest your life with someone, it's for life. But the world's told us something so different than that. Be adventurous, it says. The Bible tells us, and we read this in Proverbs, the intimacy is to be kept for only for marriage, only in the confounds of marriage. But the world we live in today tells us absolutely not. Shack up, have fun, don't commit. As long as it feels right, have fun. That's what the world tells us, right? Y'all okay? I mean, the TV audience is amen. I mean, they're just they're going to town on the couch. They're like, amen, amen, preach it, brother. In our world today, though, they say it's okay to live together outside of the marriage covenant of God. But the Bible says that's not so. 
only leads to heartbreak. And if you've ever run down that road, you know. You know the heartbreak it can lead you down. Marriage is so important. And it relates so much to our relationship with God. If we, if we can't get that, uh, we've, we've got some major issues. We really do. The Bible tells us to work and do not be lazy. I'm going to hit real close to our culture right now. The world tells us absolutely not take a check from the government and live as easily as you possibly can. I mean, isn't that what the world tells us today? Now, I recognize that right now there are some folks that are furloughed. There are folks that they, their job is not open. I've talked to some friends of mine and said, man, I'm making more money on unemployment than I ever made at work. Why would I want to go to work? Well, the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. We'll get really lazy really quick. Because, I mean, it's just human nature. Can I be real with you? It's easy to do nothing. It takes effort to go to work. I told my son, I said, you know why they call it work, son? Because it ain't fun. They'd have called it fun if it wasn't work. (laughs) Now, every now and then, somebody gets to do something they really enjoy, and it's hard to call it work, like me. I love what I do. It's, It's a lot of fun. And it's fulfilling. But work is not easy. The world would tell you, just take the easy road. Make life easy. Let the government take care of you. The Bible says, get up and go to work. If you're capable, get up and go to work. Do what you're, do what you're capable of doing. Use the God-given talent you've been given to make a difference in the world. God tells us in his word that he hates a lying tongue. He does. But the world tells us a little white lie every now and then is not going to hurt anybody. But the word of God says in Revelation 21, 8, there's a place reserved for the liars. I don't want to go there. I'm not going there because I'm saved. It just encourages me in my life to live truthfully because I have a king in heaven that tells the truth. He can't lie. It's not in his character. So as I take on more of his character, it shouldn't be in mine. Y'all okay still? I mean, can you hear what I'm talking about? The word gives us wisdom, but the world gives us wisdom that is starkly different than the word. The world would say, you know, you can just be too fanatical with that Christian stuff. You... Really, you don't need to go to church three times a day and or three three times a week. You you don't need to be engaged in small group. I mean, just as long as you go by every now and then and you're part of a body, that's cool. But the Bible tells us don't forsake the gathering of the body of believers that we should long to come together for the nurturing of the soul and the worship of our Father. But that's what the Word tells us. The world tells us differently. The world tells us go enjoy life. The world would tell us that, uh, well, the word tells us that honest money is the only way. That's what the Bible tells us. Honest money is the only way to do it. The world would tell us, oh, it's just business. Everybody does it. The, the Bible tells us honest weights and measures is how we need to go. The world tells us, as long as you're within the tolerance. Where's the tolerance? Who defines that? The Bible tells us love covers all and we should love one another. The world tells us it's okay to hate somebody. If they did to me what they did to you, I'd hate them too. That's what the world would tell us. Can, can you see what I'm talking about this morning? This means yes, this means no, so help me out. Can you see what I'm saying? The world gives us wisdom 
that is different than the word. I'm not trying to be harsh. I know this, I want wisdom. That means my life has to come under alignment to the word of God. And if you want to live for Jesus, your life has to come under alignment to the word of God too. And where we're not in alignment, where there's a difference, we don't all of a sudden take on the wisdom of the world. We seek the wisdom from the word. And it's okay if it changes us. I say this, I was going to use this later, but I just got to use it now. I've got this, this sticky note on my computer, and it's in my bottom right-hand corner, and I look at it daily, and it says this. If it doesn't challenge you, it will never change you. The Word of God challenges me. I mean, every time I read the Word of God, I get challenged. Areas of my life get challenged because the world is constantly with its voice Telling me this is okay. This is the way you should live. But the word says this and it challenges me. And as I surrender to the word, it begins to change me and align me with God's will for my life. Are y'all okay still? Okay, good. Because if it doesn't challenge you, it will not change you. And I know I had somebody tell me, I had several people tell me as they were leaving the first service, man, you really stomped on my toes today. I said, I was aiming for your heart, honest before Jesus. I was not aiming for your toes. <laughs> I really, I, 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 mean, I want this message to hit our heart because God gives us, freely gives us wisdom. The world will freely give you wisdom. And there's two wisdoms we have to understand in our life. And, and, and when we get to this place in life, we either, we either dismiss God or we recognize that God is worth listening to, the wisdom from the Word, and allow it to change our life. There's just this obvious difference that we're dealing with. And we see that as we continue to read Proverbs. In fact, this afternoon when you're home, read Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20 through verse 33 and keep that mental, mental concept of what I just laid before you. Let that resonate in your heart as you read those te that text and you'll see what I'm talking about. So we understand there's two different wisdoms. I think I made that clear. What do we do with that? How, how do we receive, if we're sitting here today and say, you know what, I, I've been under the influence of the world. I have. I, I'm living my life. There's, there's areas of my life that are shaped according to the wisdom of the world. And I'm recognizing that because of what I read this week or preacher because of what you just said. I realize I've, I've succumbed to the wisdom of the world and I felt comfortable in it. But the conviction of God speaking in my heart right now and I feel like I need to go in a different direction. So what I do? Well, the Bible tells us that if we ask God for wisdom, he'll give it to us. He'll grant wisdom. And so what is wisdom and where does wisdom begin? Well, in the text that we read in Proverbs, 125 different times the word wise or wisdom is used. So obviously this book is good for wisdom and, and good to help us be wise. But 14 times in the text it tells us that it begins with fear, that there's a, an association of fear in receiving wisdom. So what does that mean? Okay, I'm not talking about the type of fear that makes you shudder. Like, like my son loves to get me. I'll come around a corner and he just jumps. Ah, and he, he scares me. Okay, he, he just scares the bejesus out of me sometimes. And, 
And I, I, I turn the tables and I do the same thing so folk, fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. Don't, don't look bad at my son. It probably started with me. But we, we play those games. I'm not talking about that kind of fear. I'm not talking about when you're facing a, a, a dangerous viper on the ground. Not that kind of fear. I'm talking about a fear that when you look upon the God of creation, you recognize God created everything in this world. And he sits on a throne above every ruler. He is king of kings and lord of lords. He has the ability to give me breath or take my breath. And this God that provides everything for me is the God that I long to be in submission to. And that leads me to a place where I am in reverence and in awe of him because of who he is. And not only that, because of what he did for us. He went to the cross at Calvary, died on Calvary's hill for my sin and your sin. He paid the debt. He canceled it. That's the kind of God we serve. So when we, when we think about God, we're like, wow, what a God. And I would never, ever in my right thinking mind, thinking in the line of the wisdom that comes from God, I would never want to look in God's law or his love for me and just say, I don't need you. I'm going to make this decision devoid of any aspect of your dealing with my life. I wouldn't want to do that. So in reverence, in fear to who he is, I'd say it's going to cost me. If it doesn't challenge me, it doesn't change me. It's, it's It's going to cost me something, but I want to live according to the will of God. So we ask ourselves, How do we gain that? Well, you can't have a reverence for God if you don't know what he's done for you and really personally identified with what God's done for you. I was lost, headed to hell, and Jesus saved me. I hadn't gotten over getting saved. So since I hadn't gotten over it, I'm still in awe of who he is. I'm in awe that he would look down out of all the world and look down upon my life and say, you're valuable. When I didn't think I was very valuable, but God loved me. And he loves you, equally loves all of his children, desires for an intimate personal relationship with us, and that's exciting to me. So we have that fear for him, that reverence for him. Charles Bridges says it this way about fear. He states, It is that affectionate reverence by which the child of God bends himself humbly and carefully to his father's law. His wrath, being God, his wrath is so bitter And his love is so sweet that hence springs an earnest desire to please him. And because of the danger of coming short from his own weaknesses and temptations, a holy watchfulness and fear that he might not sin against him. So in other words, what Charles is saying there, he's saying, we need this holy watchfulness in our life. Say, Lord, I reverence you. I honor you in my life. And I don't want to live apart from you. So I want to watch my life. And I want my life to line up with yours. That's the kind of life each of us should desire to live. And then you're not tempted to play with these, flirt with these things. Flirt, we were talking in, in, in Sunday school about relationships. And you keep clear lines in your relationships. In, in things that could attack you and destroy you, you keep clear lines. And there's certain things you don't do. There's, there's certain places you don't go. There's, there's certain things you don't touch. You say, I would not want to allow myself the opportunity to be destroyed by Satan. I want to stand for Jesus. And my life has changed. Because of that, because I want I want that reverence, that fear. 
Now, I wouldn't want to slip. I wouldn't want to mess up. Fear of the Lord is that reverential awe that we can have. Now, as I said a moment ago, we, we either dismiss God or we admit that God is king and we seek to line our lives up with his will for our life. And that's where we need to be. Job chapter 28, verse 28 says this. And to man, he said, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. So when we want wisdom, we seek God. And as we find a a personal relationship with God, we begin to walk in that relationship with God. That is wise. And as we walk closer to God, we depart from the evil. We walk away from the things which seek to destroy us. And we walk to the one who loves us and longs to raise us up. Why don't we get that? I mean, based on that one simple statement I just made, we ought to all be all right for the rest of our lives till eternity, right? Because we don't want to be destroyed by sin. We want to be loved by our Savior. I don't know if y'all are all right. Y'all okay? Still with me, right? Tracking. We want wisdom, not earthly wisdom. We want heavenly wisdom. Why? So our lives can line up with God, and it begins with fear, the reverent fear for God. Psalm 111, verse 10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Have you heard that somewhere before? A couple times today. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. We've got a good understanding if we're living in the will of God. We're moving in the right direction. And what results from that is where we're going. We're going to get there in just a minute. His praise endures forever. When we live in wisdom, let me connect this for you. When we live in wisdom, our worship before God can rise. When we're living in heavenly wisdom, when we're seeking to be right before God and in that right relationship with God, then we, we rightly think, we rightly act, and we, we rightly walk with God. Therefore, it's, our worship can be right. I got all the way to the end of the sermon in one statement. Y'all still with me? So how do we get this wisdom? How do we get the wisdom that we need? There's earthly wisdom. There's heavenly wisdom. All you got to do if you want earthly wisdom is go to social media or turn to your friend who might not be walking with Jesus Build you up an entourage of people that will agree with your lifestyle. I promise you, any lifestyle you want to live in this world, you can find a group of people to walk with you. Y'all okay? So that's how this works. But if I want to live for Jesus and I want to walk in wisdom, I need to turn to God and say, God, I need wisdom. Because Jesus says, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open unto you. So Jesus says, ask. Are you asking for this wisdom? Do you long for this wisdom? This is something. I really want to be wise, God. I don't don't want to be foolish. I don't want to fall off in the wrong direction. I want to be wise in all of my approaches. So I'm seeking you. God tells us numerous places in the Bible. 1 Chronicles 28.9. We got in Jeremiah 29.13. Seek me and you'll find me. When you seek me, With all of your heart, you'll find me. So 
We can seek him. We ask and he gives to us. James tells us in chapter 1, verse 5, he tells us there, he says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given him. So God's telling us in his very own word, if we ask for wisdom, he'll give it to us liberally. He'll he'll be glad to give us wisdom. God doesn't want us to be destroyed. He wants to give you wisdom. The keys, the the tools to be successful. He wants to give them to you. So we've got to ask him. And if we ask him, he'll provide them. And we ask for this wisdom. Why? Because we desire to please God. Wisdom gives order to our lives, purpose to our lives. It equips us to make decisions with discernment. And it brings great satisfaction to us as we glorify God through wise living. You know, I'd lots rather live for the Lord and be able to hold my head up than I had to look over my shoulder and see who's after me. If you've never lived that way, you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you have, you know. I can come up with a bunch of illustrations. I want to run a lot of rabbits right now, but I'm going to focus myself back on this because I'll be there for a while. (laughs) I got a lot of illustrations there, but if we, if we, we can gain great satisfaction because it brings us, it's very satisfying to walk in, in relationship humbly before the Lord and experience that relationship that he, of his love in our life, his his leadership, his lordship in our lives, very satisfying. When we have a right reverence and fear of God, one says this, we see as him as creator and us as creatures. He is father and we are his children. He is the master and we are the slave. We respect him, listen carefully to him, obey him and realize that our disobedience breaks his heart and it breaks our fellowship with him. I don't like to be out of fellowship with people. I mean, if, if, you know, if you're married or if you've been in a relationship, you know you can, sometimes you can just have a, a bad day. And you can say the wrong thing or you can get up on the wrong side of the bed, as Grandma used to say. And, and it just, things just might not work out real well and you can offend somebody. And, and I don't like that moment. I don't like to be not in a good relationship with those that are closest to me. It pains me. So what do you do? You get it right. Get it right. Get over it. Get it right. Make it right. Work on it to, to get to a place where you're, you're in a right relationship. You're, the fellowship is, is good. And I'm telling you, our fellowship with the Heavenly Father, distance, it, it, it gets lessened when we live in sin. A saved person who makes sinful choices harms the fellowship in that relationship with Jesus. So it should be on our heart that when we recognize that we've, been, we've, we've lived under earthly wisdom, we've, we've been directed in the wrong direction, we've made a, a course movement in the wrong way that we all of a sudden say, I'm in the wrong place. I've done this wrong. God, I want your wisdom. I seek you as my Father. Forgive me where I've failed. Help me, Lord, to live in a way that pleases you. It's not that hard. But at times, application is difficult. Because see, in Solomon's life, we see he was, he was going to build the temple. 
and all these massive resources to build this amazing temple. What was the temple for? Was it so they could come and see 190 tons of gold in the eastern world and see all of the, the silver and the bronze and the iron and the wood? Was it about that? No. In the, in the day when Solomon built this temple, it was the place where the Spirit of God resided and people could come and, and, and worship. Where's the temple now? It's in us. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't about the gold and all that during that day. It was about a place of worship. And, and the only way people could come and, and worship was to worship rightly. And if they were living apart from the will of God, if they were living under the influence of the earthly wisdom, which there was a lot of earthly wisdom in, in the day of the Israelite nation, just like there is today. There was a lot of decisions they made, and we can see the error of their way when we read the Word. But we, can't we see the error of our way? When we look at our lives, I know a lot of times it's easier to see the error of your brother or sister than it is your own, but can't we, if we honestly evaluate our life, see the error of our way? And God says, you know, seek wisdom. I'll give you wisdom. I'll bring you into a place where you can rightly decide, discern, and make a course correction and when you make that course correction, then, then you're living in reverence of God. You're, you're in fear of God in a loving way. And, and you're in right worship. And you're in a place where you can actually rightly worship God. And that should be so on the heart of humans. That we look unto our Father in heaven who's offered us this amazing relationship. Say, you know what? I've I got two different wisdoms I can choose from. I want God's wisdom. And that means I'm going to change some things about my life. So let's change it. Let's get it right, and let's line up under the heavenly wisdom that he offers us so that when I come into worship, hold on, let's get this together. When I come into worship, it's not about my favorite song. It's not about whether it's too loud or, or too soft, too fast, too slow. That's not what worship is. You missed worship. That was, that was uh, your own personal preference. God's not concerned about your personal preference. Are you okay with that? Because I'm okay. I finally got okay with that. God's not worried about what my favorite song is. God's worried about me yielding my heart and life to him in worship. And I can't do that when I'm so self-focused. I have to be God-focused. And self-focused leads me to listen to the wisdom of the world. But God-focused leads me to listen to the wisdom of the word and change my life and align my life to his will. And then worship, as I walk rightly, becomes very sweet. That's where that's the key. That's you've been wondering why why have I not felt like worship was so energetic and why have I not why have I not really been in a place where I could truly worship God? Are you allowing allowing the wisdom of God to fill your life, living by that wisdom? That means applying it to your life and your circumstance. Your situation, don't, don't change the facts and because your circumstance or your situation. Look to the will of God and let it tell you how to live your life. Wisdom from God leads us to right worship because we're in a right relationship with the Father when we're living under godly wisdom instead of the earthly wisdom that's afforded to all of us. And we must make a choice. We must make a choice. Daily, we must make a choice. 
as to how we want to live our lives. The natural response of humanity is to accept the advice of those who line up with our lives and reject the advice of those that would make us change our ways. That's just that's what humanity does. Did y'all get that? Humanly speaking, I want to accept the advice of those who line up with my want to's instead of my need to's. It's easier. Because if I already want to do it, I'm moving in that direction. It's a course correction for me to go in another direction. But God wants the very best for your life. And it means that we have to have the wisdom of God come into our life. We have to not only have it, but apply it to each of our circumstances. That's what happened to Solomon. He had it, but he didn't apply it. He made some directional decisions that caused him ruin because he took on foreign gods and the worship of those gods instead of the worship of Yahweh. Can I just tell you, it's real easy for you, it's real easy for me to take on the worship of other gods. You say, never would I do that. Oh, it's easy. It's real easy for us to get distracted because Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to redirect your lives, and he'll put some wisdom in your life that is not godly but very worldly. And you have to be able to discern through that. And the way we can do that is by staying in the Word and letting the Word direct our lives. Not social media, not Facebook, not not Snapchat, not, not Instagram. I mean, you can let all these things direct you and your friend groups and and or you can let the word of God direct you. Colossians 3 verse 1 says this, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. Can I just present to you today that I think a lot of times we put our minds on the things of this world and not the things of the word. Can I get an Amen. That's, that's, what we're, that's what we do. And God's telling us, let's seek the things above, not the things of this world. And when we seek him, we're going to find him. So what's the wisest thing we can do in our life? The first, the wisest thing you can do is ask God to save your life. The second wisest thing you can do is ask God for the wisdom to apply his will and his way to your life. And then do it. And know that it's going to be countercultural. Know that you're not going to line up with everybody around you, but then everybody around you can see your love for Jesus, see your life being blessed by Jesus, and desire the God that you worship. Otherwise, they'll never desire the God of our heaven, our Heavenly Father. They won't do that unless they see a difference. We're to be a witness, a testimony. And we, we can be the best witness when we're in right worship and our lives are lining up with God through wisdom that he can give and only he gives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this message, God. I pray that you'll just etch us in our hearts, Lord. Give us the yearning and the desire, the longing, Lord, to have the wisdom from you applied to our life and walk out according to how you'd have us position ourselves for the future in your will, in your way. Lord, certainly as we look at things like this, conviction comes in our life. We see areas of our life where we've listened to the world. We've, we've gone in a different direction. And ultimately, you're pressing on our heart right now and calling us back to yourself. So, God, let us respond rightly right now.
be it by voice or by move. You move for us all the way to the cross at Calvary. Lord, let us move for you. Let us be honest with ourselves and honest with you and get things right right now. And then live with a desire for wisdom from you, no matter what it costs us. Going forward, it will gain us that relationship that we really long for. Your word says, what profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Lord, let us realize that and seek you with all we got in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we're going to be up front this morning for you. Stand with me. If you want to come to the altar and pray, come to the altar and pray. If you'd like to come talk to a pastor, we're here for you at this time. Whatever you need to do, you move as God leads you.
Good to be with you this morning. A couple of announcements as we get ready to close. First of all, our offering boxes are on the front, out the back, both doors in the Welcome Center and in the balcony. And uh, that's how we give nowadays instead of passing plates with all the social distancing and whatnot. So um, just ask you to continue to, uh, as God leads you, to contribute to uh, the kingdom and the work of the kingdom. Uh, We ask you to do that. And in light of that, our budget for this year, normally we'd be talking about budget items right now, and we'd be meeting as a church and voting on a budget for the next fiscal year. But under the circumstances, the way things are right now, that's not been accomplished. Um, You understand it's hard to bring meetings together in in this way. We're just now starting to meet back for the whole month of June. We're we're meeting Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, so all of our activities are back as people feel led to come and able to come. We ask them to come, so we're... We're running 100%, and meetings will happen, but we're going we're gonna to move our budget, our last year's budget, forward, and for the next 90 days, we're going to run off our old budget. So that starts July the 1st, just so you know as a church we're going to do that. Then we'll meet on that in the coming months and discuss the budget. So that'll happen, and uh, things are different, too. Chronicles are not out there. There's no paper in our pews, and... Things are a little bit different. We're not passing out Chronicles. But if you want a copy of Chronicles on Thursday every week, the Chronicles is uploaded on our website, First Baptist Church, Cookville. So go to our FBC Cookville website. You can look at the Chronicles, and uh, you can see all the pertinent information. Now that we're, we're starting to do things again and, and meeting, you'll see all the meetings, the small group meetings that are meeting, and just the various things that are happening within the church and the life of the church. You can view that right there. And uh, the last thing I want to tell you about is parent-child dedication will be Father's Day this year. So here in just a couple of weeks, two weeks, we'll have parent-child dedication. If you've got a child that hasn't been dedicated and you haven't dedicated yourself to that child and to the Lord and would like to participate in that time together, Father's Day, we're going to do that this year. And uh, we're looking forward to that special time. So been a blessing to be with you this morning in worship. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful. I love, I love when we come together and worship. I recognize that all of us can't come back together right now for health reasons, but I am looking forward to the day that we can. And I'm excited that we are able to be here and that we can still, um, we can still stream into homes and people can still get the word of God wherever they are. So uh, that's exciting to me. So uh, God bless you as you go this week. Put this message on your heart. Align with the wisdom of God. Seek that. And I promise you, he'll make some differences. He'll make some changes in your life and be good with that. It'll, it'll lead you in a closer intimacy with the Father and a, and a deeper walk. So look forward to journeying with you in that. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the privilege of worship. God, as we go our separate ways today, help us to be light into this community. Lord, put lost people in our lives that, that don't have a relationship with you. and Let us uh, be a witness, a testimony. Uh, let us encourage, let us uh, be a part of their life and love them and let them see your love in us. And Lord, may we see people come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, their lives change, and uh, Lord, journey with them uh, throughout the days, years, and months to come. So Lord, we love you and thank you. Bless our time of departure and keep us safe and bring us back at the appointed time in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you.